Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. 10 draft picks next year if the Bills do get their third round compensatory pick, which everybody's expecting. As of right now, they'll have nine draft picks next year, one through seven, plus the two sixth, the extra six that... um Brandon being traded for in this draft for next year, and they're most likely getting a third round compensatory pick. Matt, I'll put you on the spot one year early. All right, you got like 362 days here to try to predict this. Um, of the 10 draft picks they will should have next year, how many draft picks do they actually use in 2024? One, because they're going to trade all 10 of them to whoever is available to take Marvin Harrison Jr. This is it. all of the ammunition that I they need it. to move up the board. No, I bet they make eight picks next year and they use two of the other picks to try and jump up ahead of people or move their way up and down the board. And, and I like that it gives them flexibility because I think another reason why some people have been critical of the Dalton Kincaid pick was because they had to give up something to leapfrog Dallas. I've heard people say they panicked, they panicked. Like they could have just sat there and got him. I don't believe that to be true. I think Dallas, Dallas, I think Dallas would have taken him. I think so, we are, I think we have enough info by now to realize that would have been true. Well, they used their second round pick on a tight end. Like what a coincidence yeah. that was. So yeah, I think the Bills did what they needed to do to get their playmaker. I think when you have more picks though, that's a little bit easier of a pill to swallow when you try and, you know, finagle your way and jump up the board a couple of times. Like I mean, think about it next year. You're gonna have this extra third round pick from the comp pick. Like you could go from late yeah. in the first round to the high twenties with yep. that extra third round pick. That's just kind of a freebie because you're still going to have your own third round pick. Yeah. I like what he did because of what you just said, the flexibility, but also this is, this is regarded universally next year as a better draft than this year. So you mm-hmm. have better prospect, a better prospect pool to choose from with these extra picks. So I like that uh, Brandon Bean did that. All right. Uh, you want to get to some questions? You threw it out earlier on Twitter at Matt underscore Bove and at Sal sports. Yeah. All right. So this is, there's a couple of good ones here. This one is from Corey. He says struggling to formulate a question, but I'm interested in any thoughts, indications about Dorsey adapting in the second year with the absence of Frazier. So McDermott focusing on defense and how different could the bills look from the last two seasons? I think it's an interesting question because basically he's saying Sean McDermott's going to have his hands full with the defense. So maybe Ken Dorsey is going to have even more control of the offense, which is, I think, maybe scary for people because it's not like the offense was dynamite last year. And I'll go back to what I said earlier. I like that the personnel they have is going to force them to adapt a little bit. I think if you just bring the band back together, you can get a little bit stale. And I think last year, I'm sure there were things that Dorsey tried to do that were unique to Dorsey, 
But I think you also, there's a lot of pressure and there's also a lot of just reason to try and keep doing what Brian Dable had so much success doing. Like Ken Dorsey, this is your second year. Like, I want to see what you want the offense to look like. Not what you think is going to always work. I want to see what you think you can do with this offense. So, so I think that is a valid point, and I'm I'm excited to see that. And I think McDermott and Dorsey are kind of in the same bucket here for this very reason, which is the pressures on Dorsey to kind of use these weapons that, like I said, I think he, he's wanted this. I think he got what he wanted this year. To me, that's the way it reads. And Sean McDermott put the pressure on himself to now be the defensive play caller, right? Which is, hey, I'm going to do this. I, I'm I'm excited to see that, actually, which is, hey, you're – you had a chance to get another defensive coordinator, to get a play caller. You're doing it yourself because you're saying, put this on me. Well, I think Ken Dorsey's saying, put this on me. Sean McDermott's saying, put this on me. Let's see how it works out. And I think we are going to see a philosophical change on both sides of the ball, a little bit at least, not maybe major, but enough to be noticeable, like we said, with the Kincaid pick and the 12 personnel on um, offense. And then I think maybe we'll see how they use maybe more three safety looks and things mm-hmm. like that on defense. Yeah, I'm interested to see that. All right, this question. Any bigger name post-draft UFAs you think are likely? And they specifically mentioned Ford and Gakwe. Anybody who you think makes sense? And I conveniently have in front of me a list of a lot of the big names, if you want me to read some Okay, of well, off. here's what I'll ask you, because you have the list in front of you. I would say defensive end. That's where you find you most I of agree. your good name veteran players that I think they could be in the market for after after the deadline to sign players that affect the comp pick formula, which whatever date that is, I don't remember. It's mid-May, I think. What are the names there? Because I think that's the position. All right. So I'll tell you the top three that jump out to me. Jadavian Clark and, like he mentioned, Yannick Ngakwe. Puna Ford is also on the list, but he's a defensive tackle. But I think if you can get any of those three players here to say, listen, we really lean into a rotation. Von Miller is going to be eased back into things. Whether he's ready, right, or not remains to be seen. Come be our starter with Greg Rousseau. And then when Von comes back, then you're going to rotate with him and you're going to rotate with Rousseau. And of the three names that are there, I don't know. I guess it would all come down to money. Like, I don't know what Frank Clark wants or Ngakwe wants or what Clowney wants, but any of them would be a smart addition. Because you don't know when Von Miller's going to be ready. Now, if they had intel that said Von Miller's going to be totally ready week one, I don't think it's as pressing. But if you think Von Miller, especially if you think, hey, we're going to have to keep his the load lightly on him, you know, lighten his load for the first, you know, six, seven, eight, ten, seventeen games before yeah. the playoffs, I think that becomes much more of a real possibility. All right. So here's another question. Um, thoughts on if the Bills will sign a veteran linebacker or just roll with the options that they have? I think until any of these guys until the group gives them a reason to sign one. Well, they already did. They signed AJ Klein. That's the guy they mm-hmm. signed a veteran linebacker. They signed AJ Klein to me. They're set. Unless one of these guys, none of these guys steps up. I guess that's the way I'll say it. And they say, we got to go get somebody. All right. And then this one is from Jay. Could Spencer Brown benefit from the Osiris Torrance pick? And do you think this was considered with the pick given beans affinity for Brown? What do you think? I don't know what that means. I think he's basically how how would he be benefited just by having a better player next to him? Yeah, I think maybe taking less of a workload just because you could potentially have a better interior presence matters at all. I don't think it has anything to do with it, to be quite honest. Sorry, whoever asked that question. I don't think I don't think I don't think taking Osiris Torrance had anything to do with Spencer Brown. I don't either. I think taking Osiris Torrance was two things. 
you really liked the player and you really liked the potential for the player mm-hmm. down the road. And I agree. I don't really think it has anything to do with Spencer Ford. I will say this though. Spencer Brown. Spencer Brown. Sorry. Spencer. Yeah. I will say this though. I think it's a little bit easier to scheme help for tackles than it is for interior pressure. And I think that was an area where they really, they really got beat kind of all over the offensive line last year, but especially with um, Roger Saffold. Yes. Really inconsistently. Mitch Morris was good, but besides that, Ryan Bates was, I'd say pretty good, but not unbelievable. So I think they want to kind of shore up the middle of that line, which makes sense given the McGovern signing. And -hmm. it also makes sense given using a second round pick on someone who is strictly a guard. All right. Before we head out of here, I got something for you. So you got, I'll say zero zilch nada. That's a, how many sacks Osiris Torrance allowed in college. Mm -hmm. Also how many penalties he had last year, which is amazing. It's also how many running backs the Bills drafted. Zero. No running backs. They didn't draft one after all this talk. I am not surprised by this, Matt. I didn't think that they were going to be looking for a running back. It wouldn't have surprised me, I guess, if they drafted one late. Never thought they were necessarily in the market for one early, and I'm not shocked they didn't draft one late. They'll find them on the open market in the UDFA class. They always do, and it's not something the Bills value so highly to take in the first round. Or I mean, they did take James Cook. I understand that. I think that was more for a specialty role, and now he's going to be, it looks like, the lead running back. But you get the point I'm saying. No running backs. Are you surprised at all? No, I'm not shocked. I I wouldn't have been shocked, though, if they did draft a running back, just because I do think you would probably be looking for life after Damian Harris on the one-year contract of somebody who you could pair with James Cook to kind of Mm -hmm. be the 1B to James Cook if he's the 1A. So I wouldn't have been shocked if they did it. I also wouldn't have like complained if they did it unless it was in the first round. But given the players that were selected and where they were selected, I don't really think the opportunity ever, ever really came up either. Like, I don't think there was ever really a tough decision that they had to make internally to say, okay, we're going to take this guy, even though we really like this running back. I, I bet they liked Bijan Robinson a lot. I, I bet they liked Gibbs a lot. Sure. They're not going to take him in the first round, or at least I didn't think they would. I, think, I bet they like Jack Campbell a lot. I don't, I'm not convinced they would have taken him in the first round. I think that they you know, have their guys. I mean, you like, you like a lot of guys doesn't mean you're going to take them necessarily. What do you, what do you feel is best for your team? All right. I go ahead. I want to, I want to add one thing. So yeah. I talked to Brandon Bean on Thursday before the first round started on <clears> name, dropper, name dropper, name <clears throat> dropper. <laughs> yeah. No big deal. No big deal. And I came away from that conversation, less convinced they were going to add a linebacker. Mm-hmm. And then after witnessing everything that happened over the weekend, and then his conversation that we had at the end of the draft, I really do think that they're comfortable with the linebackers yeah. that they have. Like I, 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 I mean, I agree. Sander, Even if fans are, I agree with yeah. you. Yeah. Like my dad came over today for dinner and we nice. were sitting here and he was saying, man, I, I just think they should have tried to get Drew Sanders. I didn't care if they would have had six picks. I would have been happy if they would have traded up to get that guy too. And I'm like, I've, I hear your point. It's valid. Like we spent a lot of time talking about Drew Sanders and Jack Campbell specifically, but they feel like they didn't need those guys. Cause I think if they did, they would have made those moves. So I, you know what I mean? Like I, I they think they did draft it, a linebacker and that was, you know, Dorian yeah. Williams. So and, they and, did and add these, a guy in these situations. I feel like you almost just kind of have to trust. You don't have to agree with everything, but you got to trust that they believe in those guys. 
That doesn't mean you have to love everything they do, though. That doesn't mean you can't be critical. Like, I, you know, the well, Dorian Williams one was a little weird to me, but I don't know a lot about Tulane football. So here we are. Well, guess what? If you're listening to this on Monday, we're going to have somebody from Tulane football on the radio, on the Extra Point Show, talk about Dorian Williams. We're also going to have somebody from Covers the Florida Gators talk about the two Florida Gators they drafted. We're also going to have somebody from Ole Miss talk about Nick Broker. We're, we're doing some work here, baby. So make sure you listen to those interviews and find out more about those players. And uh, also... And also, I know for a lot of people who are listening to this, you've probably very much been in draft mode. Totally get it. But now let's shift to schedule mode. Yes, yes. And, we, and we've got the perfect podcast for you. Our interview with Mike North, we posted last week. So when I say last week, I'm meaning the week before the draft. Yep. But I also saw the day after the draft, so Sunday morning, Adam Schefter put out something that said it sounds like the dra- the schedule is going to be made available on May 11th. So we've got about a week and a half here to really get juiced up for the schedule. So if you haven't listened to that podcast yet, it. it's a little bit tough to say like we highly recommend it because of course we do. We did the podcast. We're a little bit more invested in this than anybody else, but I've had some really good feedback from people. Oh, yeah. So hopefully they're not just pumping our tires and hopefully they took some value out of it. So go check it out if you haven't already. iTunes, Spotify, Odyssey, everywhere that you pod, you're going to find that. The Mike North interview, we also, I've had a lot of great feedback as well. So thank you all who've downloaded it, who've listened to it and whatever platform. And also, of course, on the YouTube channel at Sell Sports. I'm just bummed. I'm not bummed. It's just, it just happens to be coming out the night. I'll actually be at a fundraiser that night. So hopefully the leaks take care of the whole thing before I have to worry about, you know, not seeing the schedule while I'm there or checking on my phone and all those kinds of things. Well, right. I was going to say most days, most years will usually have most of the schedule by what? Five, six o'clock with the leaks that come out and people piecing it together. Yes, and we usually get a few primetime games and international games officially announced anyway before that. Yes, indeed. Anything else you want to mention before uh, we put a bow on the the draft and the weekend? I just want to say thanks to our great producer, Lucas Buckley, once again. He always does a great job, and he's doing the audio and the video portion for us behind the scenes. So thank you very much, Lucas. Thank you, Lucas. Um, thank you to Bill's PR for feeding us yes. all weekend. We Love don't it. take that. We don't take that lightly. I know there's no. a lot of, you know, Seriously, I, I'm, I'm not even like exaggerating here. It's it's really thoughtful of them to take care of us. And we appreciate that. So thank you to them. A lot um, of media you. members had to go to the gym on Sunday. I'll just say that. Yeah, indeed. Um, and yeah, that's <laughs> we pretty feeling, much it. We were just, feeling it. Like, hey, man, thank you very much. That's right. They do a really good job of that. I, I, uh, I agree with you. All right, Matt, uh, get us out of here, will you? Yeah. Thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. We will have more for you later on in the week as we get ready for this schedule time. And then uh, it sounds like it's going to be rookie minicamp time a couple weeks down the road into mid-May. And then after that, we've got minicamp and then mandatory minicamp and OTAs and all this stuff. So just when you think things are going to slow down, au contraire, they're going to actually speed up. For Sal Capaccio, everybody, I'm Matt Bovey. Like, subscribe, and we'll see you next time.